Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of the Bat Flip Podcast. My name is Damien here with my co-hosts, Matt and David. This week, we're going to bring a uh, division breakdown, kind of standings recap as the season's getting ready to end in a couple days. Most of the, the standings have been finalized, uh, and then we'll jump over and preview the wild card series that are going to happen this weekend. Uh, but before we get to all of that, how you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, sorry if missing last week. There was a we had a death in the family, but uh, everything uh, you know everything's uh, everything's good now, and um, I uh, I'm, uh, everything's going well. I'm uh, just uh, hate a miss last week. It was such a big episode, and uh, just say a couple words real quick on poo holes. I know every we talked about that last week, but I wasn't here, so just uh, wanted to mention what a remarkable feat that was. It hit 700 home runs, and actually up to 703 now, 702. Hit a couple more. 703, yeah. So, uh, that's been that's so cool. And uh, also, while I mentioned that, the you know I thought it was also cool that they kind of took him, Wainwright, and uh, Molina out at the same time because this might be the last year for all three of those guys, and they've kind of been stalwarts for the for the um, you know they kind of been stalwarts for the Cardinals for a long time and, and a lot of postseason success and and everything. So, uh, just wanted to mention that real quick, uh, as I didn't really get to say any words on it last week, but, uh, so cool for, for Albert Pujols and congrats to him. Absolutely. Well, David, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm ready to finish it up, talk about some baseball here and, uh, kind of get ready to wind up for the off season and for the playoffs. It's going to be a, going to be a fun episode, I think. Yeah, I really think so, too. So let's go ahead and jump into the American League East, where we have a big storyline that's happened tonight as well with the New York Yankees, who have won this division. Uh, And then before we jump to them, we have the Blue Jays in second, Tampa Bay Rays in third, uh, Baltimore Orioles in fourth, and then the Boston Red Sox rounding out the bottom of this division. Yeah, so uh, I guess we could start with the Yankees briefly. We're gonna we're gonna be pretty brief on the playoff teams here at the beginning because we'll be talking about them a lot more here going forward over the next few weeks. But um, but yeah, the Yankees are just real quick. Uh, Aaron Judge just hit number sixty two like ten minutes ago. So uh, congrats to him. I know that it's not technically the MLB record, but still, it's a remarkable feat. Um, in the day, in this day and age where, you know, obviously you don't have the same kind of power numbers as you did in the steroid era. And, um, you know, this year offense has been down across the board. We don't even have the juiced balls that we have had the last few years. So, uh, that's a really cool thing to see, uh, Aaron judge is having a monster power season, a monster season in general, but, uh, congratulations to him on that, um, remarkable feat, his 62 home runs. It's insane. So. I saw a thing this week that said Aaron Judge would have been up challenging Barry Bonds if they had had the juice balls this year. Um, And I think back to, I think it was a fly ball when he had 60 home runs in Yankee Stadium that died at the warning track and everybody thought it was the home run. Um, So, you know, I I think that, you know, maybe we've even been deprived of a bigger number here from Judge. But yeah, uh, MVP level season and... uh, uh, awesome to have an AL, a new AL home run king, you know, after what, hundreds of years of baseball. It's been, I think, 50 since Maris. So um, that's really cool for, for Aaron Judge. <clears throat> Moving on to the Blue Jays, uh, 91 wins this year. They will lock up the, I think, first wild card in the AL. Um, and, you know, that's a team that's high offense, high octane offense, and their pitching's been a little bit suspect. Uh, going into a, a playoff series here, but uh, I don't think they've been battling anything of late. They've just, they, I think they kind of went nuts of the last few games to get up over 90 wins. So a good season from the Blue Jays. Yeah, I think that they win 91 games last year. Exactly. 
Yeah, I think they might have. So they're yeah. they're right at where they were last year. It's a, it's a good team. Yeah, it's a very good team. And, and the Rays kind of the same way. Uh, you know, great, really good team. They've dealt with a lot of injuries this year. Wander Franco missed a lot of time. Um, you know, they've had a lot of a lot of guys out. McClanahan missed a lot of time. Uh, Tyler Glass now is – I don't know if he's pitched at all, has he? He is back. He just pitched he, this he's week. He's back. Okay, so he's back, and he might be a key piece for them in the p- playoffs. But um, he, uh, you know, he he's been out most of the year. So the Rays, well, even with all the injuries they've had to their star players, eighty six wins is pretty incredible for them. Obviously, we'll talk about them some more later when we have our wild card preview, as they are in believe the third wild card, which means they will match up with a uh, the Guardians. So we'll talk about them here in a little bit, but. Uh, moving on, uh, the two teams we're going to talk more about here in the AL East that did not make the postseason, but one of them might have had the most successful season of any team in baseball, even though they didn't make the playoffs, and that would be the Baltimore Orioles. What a fantastic season for them. 82-78, and 78, they have locked up having a winning record, even if they lose their last two games. Uh, just everything that everything seemed to go right for them this year with their young players. Adley Rutschman's been as advertised. Gunnar Henderson made the big leagues, which is crazy. Um, you know, the really, and it really could have been even better, I guess, because Grayson Rodriguez, while after looking like a monster in AAA to start the season, he's got shut down for injury, which is not a long-term injury. Uh, it's not a no. arm or elbow or shoulder or anything like that. They're just taking it really easy. I believe it was a lat, some kind of lat injury. So yep. he's going to be okay, um, going forward, but man, what a season for them. Um, just huge congrats. They did miss the playoffs by just a few games, but 82 and 78 right now. You know they're gonna they've locked up having a winning record. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, absolutely not. You know, the, I I want to shout out some of their players too because they've they've had some really awesome performances. Um, first of all, they also had uh, DL Hall make the majors as well, another youngster, uh, and he's been closing games for them lately. But we saw the the rise of Dean Kremer, who's been a really solid pitch to contact guy for them. Um, and you know, he pitched to a 3.23 ERA was their leading pitcher this year, but they, you know, Jordan Lyles led their pitching staff in innings and he was really reliable all season, actually went a full season, which, you know, we don't see very often. Um, and then we've, we saw them pick up like a guy like Austin Voth, who at the deadline came over from the nationals. I think, I think it was before the deadline it was in like June, but he had like a 307 ERA this year. Um, so just a, a really good year from from the Orioles, and they developed some really good bullpen arms as well. We saw Jorge Lopez go at the deadline as a as a sell off piece, even though the Orioles were winning at the time and getting towards being in the playoffs. Um, and then Felix Bautista was really really good this year. Um, he might be you know one of those stalwart arms in you know in a playoff bullpen going forward. Uh, but then, you know, you look at D.L. Hall coming up and he, his stuff was really, really nasty. He's throwing 97 and the Orioles have just found a way to, to pull out these guys that are throwing really hard and a lot of movement. I, I think this team's going to be really dangerous once they actually do make postseason runs going forward. And they're in a position to spend coming this offseason. Yeah, not to mention the fact that they still have top prospects that are have yet to make the big leagues or have barely played game in the big leagues. I mean, Grayson Rodriguez is probably, in my opinion, the best pitching prospect in the minors. And he's one he of them. Is, yeah, it, it, he's, uh, he's unanimously one of them. I think he's the best, but he'll be up in the big leagues next year. You've got, um, you know, Joe, Jordan Westberg will be up. I, I don't know if he's played in the big leagues yet, but. It, it, regardless, he'll be up. But I mean, you talk about a, an Orioles team who has been the butt of all the jokes. And as you mentioned, that their you know their their pitching staff having 
been so good. I mean, they they were they ended up being 18th in ERA this year, which you know it doesn't sound fantastic, but the fact that they have been like the worst pitching staff in baseball for a long time running, even when they were good back, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, they had a bad pitching staff, and the fact that they went that they were not like 29th out of 30, with the only exception being Colorado, is pretty incredible in, in improvement wise. So. Uh, great, great season for them. Um, you know, we're definitely going to be looking forward to him. They'll be a player in the off season. So uh, exciting times for Orioles fans. It reminds me a little bit of, of some of those seasons we've seen recently where, you know, like maybe a, um, you know, a, a Cubs season back right before their run where they, they kind of came on at the end of the season, won some games. I believe it was like maybe like 2014 or something. They, you totally, they had, you totally stole it. I was going to say exactly yeah, I, that, man. I, think, I, remember, I remember, I remember that. And, and maybe a, um, I think the Astros the year before mm-hmm. they made their first wild card run started to kind of win some games that last year. I believe that was actually 2014 as well, where they, they had yep. some of these guys come up. They started to win some games. They didn't, neither one of those teams had winning records, but they were and the Mariners last year too. That's another mm-hmm. one. The Mariners came, kind of came out of nowhere, had a really good season, missed the playoffs by a game or two, but were, you know, way better than anybody expected them to be. And I think Baltimore is going to be in that position. I would definitely see them being aggressive this off season, but, uh, you know, moving on, one more uh, one more team here in this division is the Boston Red Sox, which, oof, that was, they had a rough year. It was disappointing for sure from the Red Sox, but, you know, at 76 wins right now, you know, they're not going to hit a winning record, but we see this from the Red Sox. Every couple of years, they have a down year, it seems, and, uh, you know, you remember, I think it was, it was either 2017 or, or 2019, maybe, they were, um, you know, one of the, they were, they were like a top five draft pick, you yeah, know, Marcelo so, Mayer. The, yeah, so the Red Sox do this where they 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 kind of swing up and then they swing back and fall down uh this year definitely a step in the wrong direction they definitely missed Mookie Betts this year um in terms of production in the outfield uh and this year they're going to be losing like Xander Bogarts probably will be gone they might think about trading uh Rafael Devers potentially so you know they've had Chris Sale on the on the blocks for a while and he's just he's not he's not able to get there he's he's continually getting hurt um, you know, they're, they're spending a lot of money and it seems to not be going anywhere for them. So the Red Sox may need to reevaluate where they are right now because yeah. they've been unwilling to commit the big dollars to some of those guys and it's really cost them. Yeah. And the Red Sox, and we'll talk about another team later that I think is very similar situationally to the Red Sox in, in the San Francisco Giants, but the Red Sox seem to have they seem to be in a weird position because of what happened last year. Cause I think last year they, they were the worst, one of the worst teams in baseball back in 2020 in the short season last year, they kind of came out of nowhere and had a really good season. And they won, you know, they went to the American league championship series. They were, they were really good last year. And I think it kind of came out of nowhere and they had some guys overperform and it was kind of one of those like magical type seasons for them. And I think it kind of bit them a little bit in the end because of I, I really don't think that their roster is quite as talented as as they may people may be expected it to be coming into this year. They have some high dollar players too, like Trevor Story was just he was all right this year, but he wasn't kind of he he definitely showed some some holes in his game that were exploited that were maybe not quite as exploited as much when he was in cores. Um, and then they had uh, you know you see some other. Uh, some other guys, um, you know, some other guys on that team, Ivaldi didn't have a great year. Of course, now he's going to be a free agent. Uh, Chris Sale couldn't get healthy. 
Um, there were some problems here. The bullpen was awful, but we came into the season knowing that pitching staff was going to be bad. And I mean, that's what ended up happening to him at the end of the day. Like they had a, you know, a bottom five, bottom 10 pitching staff, one of the worst in the American league. So, um, you know, tough season for the Red Sox. Um, we'll see what happens to them going forward. Um, I think that they, I think they'll probably be better, um, you know, over the next couple of years, they do have some pretty good prospects. Tristan Casas uh, came up late the season this year. I think he's going to be pretty good, but they have a lot of holes in their roster. They got a lot of things they need to, they need to change. And, uh, you know, I don't know if they've got the resources to make all those moves in one or two off seasons here. Yeah. It's going to be difficult. I think for the Red Sox to, to make this a quick turnaround. I think they might be middling for a while because if they keep Devers, they've got Alex Verdugo under control for a little bit. Trevor Story is going to be there. They've got some guys. Um, but yeah, I think the very clear problem is the pitching. You know, they, they have good position player prospects, but I don't think we've heard of a good Red Sox pitching prospect in a while. Um, yeah. So it's it's Ryan one of those Bello things. Maybe would be the best yeah, one, Be- Bello even came up and struggled this year, yeah. though, you know, so. Um, and we'll see if, if they can kind of develop him and, and get, get some things going. But, uh, the Red Sox are definitely a concern moving forward and I'm, I'm willing to bet they'll spend their way out of it, or at least they'll attempt to, um, cause they did this season with, with Trevor story. Yeah. Yeah. And then with stories, sorry for, for jumping in here, but for stories, I think it's more of the, them just wanting to make that one final little push to, for this year, because they knew that Xander was probably opting out at the end of the season. Um, and it's a way to kind of hedge their bets against that. But the thing I'm looking for from the Red Sox is when is the Heim Bloom era really going to take off with his mold? Like, I don't think you've seen his mold on this team yet. And for what they did with the Rays for so long uh, and, and that style that they try and do with the under the radar pitching and not spending as much. I wonder if you're going to see that from them the next couple years um, until they're really getting a good foundation and then try and spend their way out. Um, to, to put themselves over the top, you know, two or three years down the road. Um, but that's going to be interesting to watch for sure. But jumping over to the American League Central, you have the Cleveland Guardians who have won the division. You have the Chicago White Sox who are, have finished second in the division. The Minnesota Twins bring, uh, in third, the Detroit Tigers in fourth, and then the Kansas City Royals bringing up the seller of that division. Yeah, and uh, congrats to the Guardians on winning this division. Um I don't think that it was completely out of the realm of possibility that they want, would go to the playoffs this year. You know, they've got some nice pitching. You thought that maybe if, if some of their position players would, you know, some of their younger guys would you know, have make some improvements this year, that they could be a really solid team, uh, you know, but maybe not quite to the level that they ended up being. I mean, they've won over 90 games so and won the division. Um, and of course the White Sox collapse helped this and the weak division helped this too, but, uh, definitely, uh, definitely good on the, uh, Cleveland guardians on uh, winning this division. They did it by base running too. They've got, uh, their five best players by wins above replacement all had at least 17 stolen bases. Um, they also got huge contributions from guys like Josh Naylor and Oscar Gonzalez, uh, in terms of power where, that's a team that in the past has been lacking in terms of outfield power. And they had two guys come in, step up and actually hit for power this season to kind of flank Jose Ramirez in this contact centric lineup featuring Steven Kwan, Andres Jimenez, uh, Ahmed Rosario and Miles Straw. And it's uh, it's kind of the perfect complement to those guys because those guys are all really athletic. Uh, Jimenez was a six win player this year by war. He outperformed Jose Ramirez which is absolutely shocking. And uh, 
you know, he hit 300. I mean, he, he was everything you want uh, out of out of a middle infielder this year. So, you know, that move has ten has really paid off for the Guardians. And then their pitching staff was good too. Bieber, McKenzie, yeah. all those guys were just rock solid. Their bullpen looks absolutely electric. They're going to be a good contender come the playoffs here. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about them a little bit more here when we get to our wild card preview. But uh, moving on, I know we're probably going to have a lot of words to say on the next two teams. But the uh, first one's the White Sox, and I tell you, it's a lost season for the White Sox. You know, this is supposed to be part of their contention window, and there's some things that they did that were definitely self-inflicted. Uh, now, part of it too, they they had they dealt with a lot of injuries this year. Lance Lynn mm-hmm. missed a lot of time. I mean, I think Giolito missed a pretty good bit of time early. Uh, they lost Garrett Crochet. I mean, they've lost uh, they lost a lot of time from Eloy. They lost a lot of time from AJ Pollock, who they traded for right before the season. Grandal was injured all year, banged up, not performing when he was playing. But you don't know how much of that was due to injury and stuff. This is a roster that they 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 Tim Anderson played, was great most of the, when he played this year, but he kept getting hurt. Like they dealt with a lot of of non self inflicted issues like that, bad luck, and uh, you know. But obviously, there were a lot of things that went wrong for this team outside of that. I know the managerial situation was a mess. We did get official finality on that this week with um, you know, with with Tony Larusa's officially out retiring. I guess it's kind of retiring, kind of fired. I I mean, I I I don't know, but he's he's out and um he uh. And we'll see what happens going forward. But then this is an interesting team because on paper, they're still really good, but they have a really bad farm system. And believe me, I'm a, I live in the city of their double A affiliate and I can, can't make myself go to the games because there's nobody to watch. Um, and uh, they, um, you know, they, I, I don't know if they've got a ton of money to spend either. They have some pretty high dollar players on that roster right now. So we'll see what happens going forward with the White Sox. I'm a, I definitely feel like they're probably going to be a contender again next year, but uh, you know, eighty and eighty, very disappointing uh, for them this year. Yeah, we we talked about the White Sox a ton last week, but uh, you know, I also move on to the Twins, and it's a very similar situation. And I applauded the Twins at the trade deadline because they are the only team in this division that went out and got some additional pieces in t- Tyler Miley and uh, Jorge Lopez. And then they went and just absolutely blew blew it coming into the, the rest of the season. I mean, it was an absolute disaster at the end there. I think Maley was really bad. I'm trying to get his exact numbers, but I think he was really bad. Jorge Lopez pitched to a 457 ERA uh, and had an almost one to one strikeout to walk ratio. Um, that just it didn't work at all for for the twins their 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 moves at the deadline didn't help them and then you know their their starting pitching was just not helpful at all this year i mean it was you know they they traded jose barrios last year tried to replace him with sunny gray chris paddock those didn't work mainly pitched four games Uh, you know it it just they gave up a lot and it didn't work at all for them and now they're going to lose carlos correa to free agency that that's kind of all but done they're, you know, Byron Buxton got hurt again. It's just a, a team that kind of, I, I think they were aggressive properly, but they targeted the wrong names because Maley was always a little bit unsure. Lopez was an unknown commodity. You know, they could have been, if they had been more aggressive with the right names, I think they might've been able to spruce this up a little bit, but I mean, they started off by trading Jose Barrios two years ago and, you know, he would have been great for him here and he, he wasn't there. 
Yeah, he wasn't good this year, anyways. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. Starting pitchers. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. true. Through twenty five yeah. games. That's that's true. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, the Twins. I, I and I, like I think we talked about at the beginning of the season. Damian and I talked about how we didn't feel like the Twins were there. We liked that they were trying, but if you're gonna go all in, you need to make sure you're all in. You can't just like sit there all off season, do not a lot then sign Carlos Correa to a big contract, then not do anything else. I guess they did trade for Sonny Gray, but that kind of worked out. He had some injury issues. But, I mean, it, it's it's a situation where I think that I, I like that they went forward a little bit. Um, the opportunity presented itself to them to get Carlos Correa. They kind of lined up with what they wanted to do contract-wise. Of course, you got to remember, too, that, you know, Carlos Correa, he was good this year. He was very good, but he did not have the same kind of season that he he'd been having uh, with the or that he had last year with the uh, uh, he with he's the Astros. Really, really good this year. He was oh he no was, don't get me wrong he was better this year. <laughs> he just was, missed he, he missed was, a couple no. of games, but he was better this year. Yeah, oh, I mean he was he had a almost two fewer wins above replacement this year it's, than, it's than defensive, last year. I mean, but, and, and base running, yeah. defense base running, but still like he was good. He was very good this year. He did miss some games that, that happened too, but I'm not, I'm not saying he wasn't good. I'm just saying like, yeah. you know, you're not, he had a slow start at least too. And mm-hmm. you know, you just, it's tough when you don't have any depth, you don't have any rotation depth. Your bullpen is just meh. To start the year, I mean, there were some positives for the Twins this year. I mean, Joan Duran was was definitely a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. He was uh, he had a great year. Um, I mean, you've got um, their bullpen you know, was really good. They had a lot of really yeah. good names come out of their bullpen. Yeah, they 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 did they did show some improvement stuff. But uh, Joe Ryan had a pretty good season to kind of build on. Um, I thought that he was. Uh, at least for a while, he was performing pretty well. To be honest, I haven't really kept up with the Twins since they kind of fell mm-hmm. out of the race. But yeah, Joe Ryan had a 3.55 ERA on the season, um, pretty solid. But uh, young guy they got from the Rays, which you usually don't want to trade with the Rays. But yeah, well, I guess the guy they traded to the Rays has done pretty good too. But um, but anyway, so it was it was a it was an okay season for the Twins. But it is disappointing after all the hype they got after the Carlos Correa signing the Sonny Gray trade. They led this division for a lot of the season and they just kind of collapsed it on the stretch. So, uh, but uh, definitely, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the twins going forward. I, I wouldn't be surprised for them to take a step back again next year. I want to see more teams go for it in the twins position though. Yeah. You know, I like what they did and I, I want to see more teams act like this because you know what? The twins still have a good bullpen. They've got some good pieces. You discovered Joan Duran. He's going to be your closer. You, you know, you've got these guys who can function as your core going forward. Buxton got signed to an extension. Yep. Araya has proved himself. I, I think the twins are in a good spot, but they will need to to figure out the rest of that lineup. Yep. After Correa leaves. So I agree. Moving towards the Tigers and Royals, and we have done a lot of talk about the Tigers and Royals, actually. I don't know that we need to even flesh <laughs> these out too much because we covered them. They both fired their GMs, their managers. Um, this two teams that are just they're in the wrong. They've gone the wrong direction. Uh, but the Royals may be on the ups, upswing a little bit more than the Tigers, who attempted to buy last offseason. It's kind of been a mess for both teams. They both have 65 wins right now. I think the Tigers actually have 66. So seller dwellers for sure. The Detroit Tigers on the season, their position players have been worth 2.5 wins above replacement mm. as a whole. 
Yikes. Tells you all you need to know. <laughs> and their they pitching hasn't been and their pitching hasn't been much better. I mean, their pitching is 20th in the league in ERA with a 4 ERA on the season. So the Tigers been, have uh, the worst yeah. they have the worst run runs per game scored of any team in the league. 3.4 runs per it's, game. It's no unbelievable and that. It, it really is remarkable how bad they've been. And then you kind of add on the fact that you signed the two, your two big signings and your big trade. I mean, Austin Meadows was bad, and then he stepped away from the game, didn't he? Isn't that what happened yeah, with Meadows? So. Like he had yeah. the mental health, which we all wish him the best. But, um, with, you know, that's that's definitely a bummer. I hope he gets better. But, yeah, I mean, he he stepped away. They traded a guy who was a pretty key piece for the for the Rays for him and uh, uh, Paredes. And then, uh, you know, they signed Javier Baez to the big contract. And you could see that one coming a mile away that he wasn't going to be, you know, the $25, $30 million a year good. He was okay. 2.1 war. At the plate, he was not good. Uh, he was decent in the field and decent on the base paths, which he always is good at that. those. But uh, did not a great year for him. Um, you... You know, and then Eduardo Rodriguez was their other big signing, and he was didn't play half the season. And when he did, he was just okay. Like, there's a lot of issues with the, you know, with the with the Tigers, and they have a lot of money on the books. Miguel Cabrera does come off the books pretty soon. Uh, it was cool to see him get his three thousandth hit, but all the pitching, the young pitchers they have that we were kind of counting on. We were looking at Scooball, we were looking at Matt Manning, we were looking at, you know, Casey Mize, and and of course Casey Mize had Tommy John. And Scooball had a fantastic start to the season, but then he kind of um, fell off um, with the, um, and I think he dealt with some injury later on. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he did. And then, yeah, and then you had uh, Manning dealt with injury a lot of the year too. Your position players that came up, like Torkelson, was awful. Riley Green came up and was not very good. And you're kind of looking at the top of that farm system as a lot of these guys are kind of not looking that great at the big league level, and then. You kind of look down the list, and your your farm system is a little bit more thin than you were kind of thinking it was going to be. So um, we'll see what happens with them. I don't know. I I envy the the new GM there, or I don't envy the new GM there. It's going to be a tough job. So I mentioned it, I think, when we talked about the the GM changing hands away from Al Alvila, but yep. I think their coaching staff started this problem. They've done. I think no hitter on their team improved from 21 to 22. You saw fall off from every single player, especially the prospects who came up who hit really well in AAA and they came up to the majors and fell off a cliff. Um, it 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 was a bad it was a bad process, and I think this offseason will provide turnover and a starting point to to jump into a new philosophy in this front office because Javi's a really good player. I love Javi Baez. He's not your frontline guy. He's got to be the guy that sparks the team. He can't be the guy who offensively carries the team. Uh, it's just not his role. And this team doesn't have an offensive carrier at all, unless maybe Spencer Torkelson can get going. I certainly hope he can. You know, Candelario is not going to do that for you. They, they got to find somebody who can kind of be that offensive juggernaut in the middle there. And I think maybe even one of the first things they need to do is mess with the park dimensions and try to make it a little easier for their hitters to hit home runs there because it is a cavernous park that doesn't yield itself to good uh, offensive play. And it's the kind of thing that can drag the whole team down. 
Yeah, yeah, that park is is tough to hit in. But uh, moving on, one last team here in the Central, uh, the uh, Kansas City Royals. They had the same season the Kansas City Royals have had ever since their World Series run. It's been the exact same season every year. They make a couple little budget moves in the offseason. They come into the regular season, and they have not done enough to improve their team. They're very contact-oriented, but they don't hit – for any power and they don't really walk they just like their entire strategy as a team is don't strike out that much which obviously is striking out's bad but you know you have to do something with the you have to be do something with the balls that you hit so um you know that that's been a problem and then their pitching has been weak for a while bullpens always kind of stayed decent but the pitching this year 27th in the league in era uh the defense actually took a step back this year too uh, they've usually been a pretty good defensive club. Uh, but uh, the big story for them is Dayton Moore not being there, which is probably the best thing that could happen to them. They need a raised type of analytical you know, mind to be in there. Uh, it's a much better fit for that small market that's just never going to be able to spend much money. So we'll see what happens with the, uh, with the Royals going forward. Um, you know, they, they did have a few good, um, you know, a few good outcomes this year, you know, Nick Prado and, uh, Vinny Pasquantino made it to the big leagues. Um, you know, they've had some pitchers that maybe looked a little bit improved. Brady Singers has, been, has had some good games. Brad Keller's had a couple of good games. Bobby Witt came up. He's been, he was all right. He definitely looks like a rookie, but he might be a, a decent piece going forward. So we'll see what happens Man. here. Um, I mean, yeah. I'd say he's going to be a good piece. He had a 2020 season, Bobby Witt did. 20 yeah, homers, 30 was, steals. Well, he had a... The, the stolen base. He had a he had a 100 WRC plus. I mean, he's good. He's oh, yeah. great great for a rookie. 2.3 WAR. He's he's really he's really solid. But you know, because people are talking about him on the same tier as Julio Rodriguez, Adley Rutschman. They thought Witt was going to be that guy, and he's not that guy yet. We didn't even mention Adley Rutschman, and we I did feel like we shouldn't should have. But Adley's yeah. going to win Rookie of the Year going away, or at least he, he should. should. Um, Bobby Witt's been really good though, and I think yeah, you can't ask good. much more from a guy like this. He's not. He's another guy who he might be an offensive spark plug. I I'm more impressed with Vinny Pasquantino and Drew Waters. Waters has come up the last month and been really really good, and you know that's the kind of thing that the Royals need to hit on. They need to hit on those guys. You, you, the Braves were a little bit over Drew Waters. The Royals end up with him, and you know look at that. He comes up 145 WRC plus in this last month. He's looking pretty strong. But Waters is going to need to to keep that keep it up despite a high strikeout rate, and he's got to hit for power. He wasn't really doing that with the Braves. He's moved over to the Royals. Yeah. Now he's doing that. I, I think Drew Waters can be a guy. And also, Nate Eaton's got some of the craziest uh, infield metrics in the league. He's thrown yeah. like 103 mile an hour across the diamond, and he's got like 11 stolen bases. E- Nate Eaton might be one of those guys you look at as an athletic freak, maybe almost like a Key Brian Hayes light athletic freak and that they can't really hit for power but uh yeah he's come up and made an impact for sure yep so uh definitely an interesting season for the royals and they'll be an interesting team to watch see how their new front office operates here in the offseason yeah it's gonna be really interesting to see where these bottom two teams really move forward um because like you mentioned with the tigers that that coaching staff kind of needs an overhaul and then the royals just need to get a whole facelift from their world series days and move on past that but Moving over to the American League West, you have the Houston Astros who won the division. You have the Seattle Mariners who finished second. Then the Los Angeles Angels finished third. The Texas Rangers who finished fourth. And then the Oakland A's who brought up the bottom of that division. 
yeah, so first off, uh, briefly, the Astros, 104 wins. It's incredible. Um, they lose Carlos Correa, and they just get better. I mean, it's like this team is, is very well run. Uh, they've had great seasons from lots of different guys. I mean, Jordan took the next step. Uh, Kyle Tucker was great. Altuve bounced back to being, like, great Altuve again. Uh, Jeremy Pena solidified himself as a really solid rookie. Um, this team is just really good. The Verlander came back and it's going to win the Cy Young. I mean, it's just insane what the Astros have done this year and, you mm-hmm. know, props to them for being able to do it. Cause I mean, I think this, it's like everyone's kind of expecting them not to do that this year. Uh, they've every year for the last two or three years, it seems like they've lost a couple guys. Everyone's like, I don't know if they'll do it again. And then they do it again. So uh, congrats to the Astros and the win. And then the Mariners, uh, the walk-off home run the other day, clinched it for them. That was really cool, Kyle Raleigh. Um, and we'll talk about them some more here in a little bit. But, but but what a great season for them. Finally made it back to the postseason. The, you know, the national nightmare is over. They made it. Uh, and, and obviously Julio Rodriguez is the guy to talk about there. But um, we'll talk about them some more here in a little bit. So. Yeah, and on to the Angels, who might might be the contender for the most disappointing team of the season, with the White Sox. The Angels, with you know, waste yet another historic season from Otani and Trout. Uh, and when they've won seventy three games so far, they may not win another one unless Otani and Trout, you know, kick it into overdrive. I mean, the the tungsten Armo Doyle meme continues because yeah. these this, these guys have just found a way to waste such historic performances. I mean, Trout's vintage Trout. He's going to hit 40 homers despite only playing like 120 games. It's just mind-boggling how good that guy is. And the Angels can't win anything with him. Yeah. You know, it's... The Angels are so frustrating because it seems like they've done this a lot where they got off to a really hot start this year. (coughs) Then they, they had like a stretch of like going like 20 and 60 or something. Like they were just absolutely like the worst team in baseball by miles for about two months. And then the end of the season, like their last couple of months have been not that bad. I mean, it's, it's so weird how they, it's, this seems like the second or third time, third year in a row that they've done this. And they just, I mean, it just feels like they need some winning culture in there. Like they need somebody who's not going to, they need some guys in there, veterans maybe that are not going to panic and like, I mean, that's something that we don't talk about an awful lot on the show, but sometimes you need a few of those veteran guys who are just going to kind of keep the ship righted, and they just don't seem to have that. They did get one good break as, as Anthony Rendon ended up coming back for the last week or two of the season, which means he's able to serve a suspension, but that that's kind of the key for them going forward. they got to be healthy uh, with their top three guys. I mean, obviously Otani has been healthy very well the last couple of years, but they got to get they got to get all um, – you know, Trout, he's got to stay healthy, which we don't know going forward what his long-term health prognosis is with his back. And then Rendon's got to be able to stay healthy. And then, I mean, you got to figure out something with that pitching staff. It's just not good. So uh, I know they've done a lot of uh, wheeling and dealing in the draft for pitchers last couple of years. Um, I really like some of the moves they've made, uh, you know, in the draft. And we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, they're probably going to have money to spend this offseason to a certain level. And I don't think with the with, you know, with them signing Otani to the one year uh, deal to avoid arbitration that happened last week, I don't think they're going to trade him. So I think they're going to try to go for it one more time and see if they can't pick figure out a way to win some games next year. So we'll see what happens with the Angels, but uh, definitely disappointing from them. Yeah, just one thing on. I don't know how much money the Angels are gonna have to spend this year if Art Moreno is truly considering selling the team. It is true. 
they and with the whole stadium Lee steel being up in the air and that the angels could very well be in the situation where we just saw with the nationals, you know, trading Juan Soto because new ownership doesn't want money on the books. I mean, you don't know with the long-term contract of trout yeah. Rendon, the, the big contract of Otani. I actually think signing Otani to arbitration now or, or avoiding arbitration and signing him to a deal now makes a trade increasingly more likely in yeah. the offseason because you know what his salary is going to be already. Yeah, yeah yep. that's a good point. But we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to uh, see what they do this offseason. But I'd like to see him make one more run because I like a lot of the players on that team. I think they're fun. So. I was thinking about a bad, another bad pitching staff. The Texas Rangers pitching staff this year was dreadful, just absolutely dreadful, and it wasted a really good offensive season from their two big signings in Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, who were both rock solid, worth the money. Uh, they also got some some big steps forward from Adolis Garcia and Nathaniel Lowe, and, and the Rangers just couldn't they couldn't outscore their bad pitching. Uh, their only good pitcher was Martin Perez. I think it's a bit of a step backwards in and in, in the whole, but I think the Rangers have done what they needed to do to cement the start uh, of a move forward. But it's very clear where their their holes are, and they are all in the pitching rotation. I mean, it is it was really bad. Yeah, and I mean, we saw this coming too. Like we talked about before the season, like it's it's in a, in some ways it's kind of similar to the Twins, as in like we're glad they're going for it, but what are you actually gonna like? are you really going for it? Like you're not putting together a complete team. You just signed a couple of really good players to add to a really crappy team. Now the Rangers are a little bit different because their guys are long-term deals that they signed. Uh, so, you know, they, they well, as some of their prospects come up and stuff over the next year or two, they'll be, they'll be able to, um, you know, help that those guys that they sign in the off season will be able to help that. But I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, he, he's um this, this team is really, it's really interesting to look at because, I mean, some of their young guys like, like you know, Jack Leiter being out of the minor leagues, he really had a horrible year in the minor leagues this year. Like, so, you know, you're kind of relying on those guys to come up and really build this roster, and we'll see if they're able to, to actually do that. But um, it'll be interesting. I think that uh, they'll probably be aggressive again in the offseason here this year. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens with them. And then one final team, the A's. Um, they – we're the worst team in baseball. We knew that was coming. Uh, they did do some pretty mm-hmm. good things this year when it comes to just their development. Um, they, uh, you know, Shea Langoliers made the majors. He was part of the Matt Olson trade. Um, they, they got uh, traded Frankie Montas, who had a really rough second half of the season with the Yankees and got some good pieces out of that. I think their minor league systems looking a little bit better. Obviously, um, you know, some of the guys didn't work out like Christian Pache has looked completely lost again. But we'll see what happens with the A's going forward. They're, um, you know, they'll um, they'll probably be bad for a few years. Shout out to Sean Murphy, who yep. is battling Adley Rutschman for best catcher in the AL right now. Um, but you know, Seth Brown hit 25 homers. That's and that's about all we have to say about the A's. I mean, it, it really is now they're going to be kind of a lost team uh, moving forward. But they weren't the worst team in the majors actually. That that honor belongs to someone else. Um, we do see that. Uh, Ken Waldachuk came up. He looked okay. James Caprellian looked pretty good uh, coming down the stretch. They've got some guys, I think, that could can be on a, a good team, but I, I ultimately think those guys are just going to end up being trade pieces. I think you'll see Loriano get traded. Murphy might get traded. This team is in complete rebuild mode, and um, 
it's not good for baseball when teams are just yeah. so completely out of it that they're Agreed. just kind of a dumpster fire. Yep. So. Yeah, I think it's not good when I think you're averaging 3,000 fans a yeah. game or, yeah. or something like that. Uh, it might even be less than that, but. Uh, they might be you moving know, from Oakland. Yeah, might be heading to Vegas. But looking over to the National League East, which is the closest division race, which is the one race that is not technically decided at the moment as of recording this, could be decided tonight. But that's with the Atlanta Braves having swept the Mets this this weekend. We talked about that was going to be a big series. Atlanta was able to, to pull off the sweep, take the division lead. Uh, so they're leading the Mets by one game here. Uh, you got the Philadelphia Phillies in third. You got the Miami Marlins in fourth. And then the Washington Nationals bringing up the bottom of that division. Yeah, uh, I start with the top two teams. And, you know, we just briefly mentioned that series this weekend. Uh, the Braves beat DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett, one, two, three, and uh, put up four runs on, I think, three runs on DeGrom, four runs on Scherzer, and Bassett got pulled in like the third inning after giving up four runs. So it was really impressive for the Braves. Um, and then, um, you know, that sweep, they had, they pretty much had to sweep that series in order to have a chance, um, you know, to win the division. And, but then sweeping that series gave them pretty much like they have to beat the Marlins one time or have the Mets lose one time. So, uh, the Braves are actually ahead right now tonight by one run against the Marlins late. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but a great season for the Braves. It's actually the first time, believe it or not, the Braves have won four straight division titles in the in the East, and this this will be their fifth if they can hold on. Um, you know, they, this is the first time they won 100 games since 2003, which is really interesting. Um, so they've they've been um, even with I think they've won the division seven times since then. They have not won 100 games. So I think their highest was actually 96 in like 20. 19 so uh that was definitely an interesting thing they only won 88 games last year when they won the world series so uh this was something to look at uh the mets 99 wins i mean this is kind of like a maybe not quite to the same extent but kind of like a dodgers giant situation from last year where you had you know the two two of the top three teams in the league being in the same division and i mean whoever wins whoever loses this division has got to be deflated having to go play that wild card series that's a big deal i mean we saw it last year that's probably what cost the dodgers being able to win the world series last year is the fact that they had to line up their pitching differently to be able to pull through the wild card and the and then the having to face the one seed in the division series on the road and then then obviously have to travel for the championship series so uh definitely interesting um there, uh, the Phillies made the playoffs. They clinched, I think, two days ago, um, and good for them. Um, you know, they've this is their first playoff appearance. Everyone's talking about the Mariners, which I, for good reason. But this is the Phillies' first played uh, first appearance in the playoffs since 2011. So, congrats to them. Uh, they really needed to make it this year because that roster going forward has some aging guys on it and some concern. There's some concerns there going forward. So, uh, but they, uh, they'll be in, they are the, either the last or the second to last wildcard team, depending on the last couple games. So I think the Padres, I think they still could catch the Padres and pass them, but I'm not sure. So they can, yeah, yeah. but, it, and I think you, whoever, whichever one of those, you don't want to be the, the five seed. You want to be the six seed. Yeah. Um, because then you get the Cardinals, who are an objectively worse team than the other wildcard team, yep. and then you get the, and then you get the, uh, the well, Dodgers. they're not objectively worse, but then you get the Dodgers, who, or no, you get the, you don't get the Dodgers, if you're, yeah, if yeah. you're there. If you do, you get the Mets, and then the Mets, who are better than the Cardinals, and then you get the, uh, 
Dodgers. The Dodgers. So yeah, series, no, it's yeah. a bad lineup to be number five here. You want to be number six. Um, yeah, and uh, but, sorry, sorry to interrupt this part. Just no, you're just good. to to pay this. Uh, I think the Phillies are also noticing that because they're losing six nothing in the third inning to Astros. Yeah, right of course. To be fair, it's the Astros and it's Justin Verlander pitching tonight. So yeah, but I they mean. gave up six too. So <laughs> I think they're also saying like, hey, we also want to avoid San yeah. Diego or yeah. or the Mets. Right. They yeah, gave they in... gave the Astros the buzzers this game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the Marlins last week. They fired Don Mattingly. Um, and we, we really did kind of go through on their, their roster a pretty good amount, but another middling season from the Marlins, and it kind of comes down to are they going to move stadiums? What are they going to do here moving forward? Because it's just not working. And then yeah. the Nationals are the worst team in baseball after selling Juan Soto and being kind of a dumpster fire. They had the worst run differential in baseball. They were just really, really bad this year. But uh, – at least Joey Menaces was kind of interesting through the second yeah, half. He's fun to watch. And I mean, they do have some interesting players going forward. Obviously, with the Juan Soto trade, they did get some really good prospects out of that. CJ Abrams has been back at the big league level. And uh, I think he's been doing th- decently well for them since he came up. Um, and then uh, Josiah Gray has, uh, has been a guy who's pitched a lot this year, gotten some valuable experience. Kybert Ruiz has been hurt a lot of the season, but he was doing decent before that. So they've got some. Uh, they got some interesting pieces going forward. Uh, it's just it's going to take a lot of time, and that their money money situation is not good, especially with them trying to sell the team. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, they have they still have the Corbin and Strasburg contracts, and neither one of those are going to be movable. <laughs> so yeah. unless you pair like a, unless they pair like a you know like a C.J. Abrams with it, they, they're just not going to move those contracts. So they're going to be bad for three or four years, I think at least. So. Yeah, that's what it's looking like. But let's jump over to the American League Central now where we had the St. Louis Cardinals end up winning this division. We have the Milwaukee Brewers in second. Uh, you have the Chicago Cubs in third. You have the Pittsburgh Pirates in fourth. And then the Cincinnati Reds bringing up the bottom of that division. Yeah, um, the Cardinals, of course, um, they had a great year, 92-68. Uh, and 68. Um, You know, they had to have their star. They're a star-loaded lineup. You know, they, they're top heavy and they had to have their stars play like stars. And Arenado and Goldschmidt both played like superstars this year. Uh, both of them will be top five MVP. I think Goldschmidt probably wins MVP. So uh, good for them. And then their pitching held up enough. Uh, their bullpen had some good breakout guys like Ryan Helsley. Um, and uh, I mean, Wainwright pitched decent this year again. Um, you know, it actually sounds like Flaherty has pitched pretty well since coming back, which is kind of surprising because he had really struggled. But um, you know, for even when he was healthy over the last couple of years, but he sounds like he's kind of maybe fixed a little bit. Miles Mikolas had a good year. So the Cardinals I look like to, a pretty, what's that? I hate to break it to you, but the Cardinals best pitcher since the trade deadline has been Jose Quintana. Yeah. I was going to say Jose Quintana <laughs> was a good trade and he's a good pitcher. And yeah. so, is, Montgomery uh, too. so is Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, jo- yeah, Jordan Montgomery has been really good too. They added a lot of depth at the deadline to their, to their lineup. And uh, they're just the, or to their rotation, but yeah, they're, they're a good team. Uh, 92 wins so far. Um, they're going to, they're going to be dangerous in the, they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs for, you know, the Phillies. And then if they beat the Phillies, the Braves, they're going to be, they're going to be tough. So uh, definitely a good team and we'll see what happens going forward. I have a feeling devil magic. is going to be at its maximum this year with the retiring players. So, yeah, you're right. The Brewers we've talked about at length because of the trade deadline exploits. 
ultimately it wasn't enough. They end up falling just short of the Phillies in the second wild card spot. And, you know, as good as Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff are, they weren't really able to carry this team. And I think there was a pretty sizable lack of depth in the bullpen and in the rotation once they traded away Josh Hader. And once they didn't add anything else to that rotation, um, it just kind of fell apart on them. Devin Williams was really good. Freddie Peralta got hurt, even though he was really good to start the year. And Burns and Woodruff couldn't hold it together for him. The rest of the rotation didn't really have anything. And then the lineup was pretty mediocre at best. It saw some big breakout performances from Willie Adamas and uh, uh, Rowdy Telez to get to 30 homers, but neither of them were particularly impactful. Uh, Hunter Renfro's one home run from 30 as well. Christian Yelich has fallen off a cliff from old uh, old performance, and he's uh, very expensive. Uh, the rest of the way. So I don't know that they're going to have any money to be able to improve this team in the off season. The Brewers are kind of vulnerable, I think, because I think they maybe gave away their best shot this year at, at making some improvements and taking a step, uh, you know, into the wild card and, and attempting to make the playoffs with that good pitching rotation. Yeah. It's interesting because everyone talks about how bad the Brewers are lineup wise and their offense has been rough, but they they've had the eighth best position player group by war in the big leagues. It's, it's kind of interesting, but uh, they don't have anybody. I was, I was watching, listening to a, another podcast yesterday. I think it was a, one of the John boy media podcasts, but they were talking about, does anybody on the Brewers scare you? Like if you look at their mm-hmm. lineup, I mean, Willie Adama is 108 WRC plus Hunter Renfro, 126 Colton Wong, 116 Christian Yelich, 111 Luis Urias, 108. Uh, Jace Peterson, 98, and Tyrone Taylor had a 101 WRC+. Plus. Uh, Rowdy Telez, 109. These guys, they, they all did pretty well when it came to you know hitting, but there wasn't anybody that scares you. They don't have a couple guys who are like top end. Like they've got, a, they've got like a bunch of pretty good lineup fillers. And I think that ended up kind of being part of their problem is that like against really good teams, they're not hitting good pitching. And mm-hmm. I mean, you just – it's tough. It's tough for them because it's, you know, they have these two really, really good pitchers. Like there's, it's hard to find a better one, two punch in the big leagues. I think there's a couple of them this year at the top of the rotations. Like I think the Mets one, two punch of Scherzer to Grom. You maybe look at the Braves with Freed and Strider when he's been healthy. Like there's been a few others this year that have been as good as Burns and Woodruff, but it just seems to me like they just don't have any like top end talent in that rotate in that lineup. And then of course, you know, the Josh Hader trade, honestly, when it comes to this year results on the field wise, I don't think it really meant that much because he really struggled when he first got to San Diego. But, you know, we've talked about some, how that just Hader was kind of a clubhouse leader there and how that was just some bad juju for that clubhouse and that team trading him away. So uh, they were not happy about it either. So I think that was an interesting thing to kind of look at, but definitely a, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's hard to call a season where you had the amount of injuries to Woodruff missed a lot of time early and Peralta, they won 85 games. They're going to miss the playoffs by like one or two. Uh, they had some bad luck. I mean, it, that's tough, but um, you know, obviously um, you know, the Brewers need to add some pieces for next year if they're going to contend again. So yeah. So, all right. I got a, I got a question for you guys as we move forward. If you had to name the top three team pitching ERAs of the second half of this season, who would you have picked? 
Braves, Dodgers, and I know it's going to be the Cubs because you're saying Cubs. It's the Dodgers, the Astros, and the Chicago Cubs. Wow. Who had a winning record by, I think, five games over the second half of the season. Um, this is a team on the upswing, man. I, I And you know I'm talking about them because it's the Cubs, but it, it's it's a team on the upswing. They have had some really good pitching performances in the second half. Marcus Stroman finally got healthy and was performing at the level that they signed him for. Adrian Sampson and Drew Smiley were very strong starting pitchers down the stretch. And then we've talked about Hayden Wisniewski, Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson, all of whom were really good for the Cubs. They're, they're not there yet. I think they need at least one sizable addition in the rotation, but this is a team that very easily has shown that they can develop a bullpen out of free agents, which they did this year, um, which they traded in the, you know, halfway through the season for a number of additional prospects. And then they, they're finally finding some depth arms that can really step forward and perform. As for the hitting, they've set a few of their position players in stone. Seiya Suzuki had a really solid rookie campaign. Nico Horner showed that he can be a really good player. He's up to four wins above replacement. The, the question marks lie with the future of maybe Wilson Contreras and some of those, you know, middle infield positions where you've gotten, you know, Nick Madrigal and uh, yeah. Esteban Quiroz, and you've got Patrick Wisdom at third base. What are the Cubs going to do there? You know, center field is still a question mark. Chris Morell had a very electric rookie season. This is a team that can make moves. They have a very big budget to where they are right now. They're, they're only got like $90 million on the books. And this is a team that was over 200 million two years ago. So big pockets, a lot of good free agents available. They will be active. And we've talked about the, the Brewers might be a little, they're not scaring anybody. The Cardinals are old, right? A bunch of their players are retiring. The Cubs are probably primed going into next season. They're looking up and saying, well, we can win this division next year based on the second half performance. And, and I wouldn't probably be quite so confident about that if they hadn't gone out and won a bunch of games and had such a good second half. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, with the Cubs what, what happens because I think that a lot of people were – it'll be interesting to see what they do money-wise and signing players because I think a lot of people were expecting them to go spend pretty big last offseason, but they really didn't. They got Stroman, but yeah. they really didn't do all that much else. So it'll be interesting to see if they go after a big one of the big free agents, and and I think there's a pretty good chance they'll at least be involved with them. Uh, yeah. But we'll we'll see what ends up happening, and, and then they've got a pretty good farm system too. And a real the biggest thing with the Cubs is their farm system's really deep. They don't really yes. have like tons of like they don't have like the three or four like top top guys like the Orioles had coming into this year or something. But they have a really deep farm system, and I think that mm-hmm. packaging players together to go buy get some you know, higher end yep. talent could, could really be a, a thing that they could look into doing, but uh, they're definitely a team that is kind of encouraging going forward. Um, so we'll see what the, what, what they do and what they're willing to spend. I know that's kind of a, a hot, been a hot topic, um, you know, but we'll see what happens. I, I think the Cardinals, I mean, the, the Cubs are definitely in a, in a position where if not next year, year after they, they'll definitely be potentially, you know, ready to, ready to contend. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, moving on, the last two teams, the Reds, uh, you know, they had a really rough year. They started off like, I don't remember what it was. It was like 3, three and 22 something. Yeah, 3 and 22. And since then, they haven't been, I mean, they've been bad, but they haven't been 
three and twenty two bad, but they've been really bad. Uh, traded away a lot of pieces. Traded away Luis Castillo. Traded away Tyler Molly. Um, you know, and, and that some of their young guys came up. I mean, they they brought up uh, Hunter Green early. I think he's actually started on the big league roster. He had he had a good year, uh, and they did a good job at the deadline acquiring more talent. Um, you know, go, getting Noel V. Marte for for Luis Castillo plus more was a was a nice nice addition. Um, you know, they they're I think they're a team that it's going to be a couple years away. I have no idea what they're going to do money wise. I know that they've been really reluctant to spin, so I don't know what's going to happen there going forward. But sixty one and ninety nine is never where you want to be at the end of the season. So uh, tough season for the Reds, um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see going forward what happens with them. They also need Jonathan India and uh, Tyler Stevenson to to really kind of be back at their rookie levels again. So and stay healthy. They yeah, were stay hurt. healthy. Yeah, I know they were both of them. I think Tyler Stevenson was hurt more and India was hurt and didn't perform. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that was tough. And then the Pirates, um, kind of the same situation as the Reds, really. Yeah, I mean, you, you look, they had a lot of guys come up and the Pirates might be in a position where they can maybe get encouraged with the performance of Brian Reynolds and, and O'Neill Cruz and some of those guys. But again, that's a pitching rotation problem. It, it's kind of similar to, uh, oh man, the Texas Rangers where, you know, you lost so many games because the pitching was just so bad and Roazny Contreras is there, but how many of those guys are actually going to yeah. be able to, to step up and start, you know, so they just really don't have that pitching depth yet um, in, in Pittsburgh to be able to kind of, step forward and compete. I think even though this division seems pretty winnable moving forward, somebody has got to step up and start winning it because the Cardinals are pretty old, but we'll see. Yeah. And you got to look at when it comes to Pittsburgh too, like a lot of their guys that did come up this year, like O'Neill Cruz specifically being kind of the most hyped guy. He's not a finished product. Like he's going to mm-hmm. have a lot of work to do because as of right now, he looks like he's an, you know, he looks like he's an athlete that's trying to play baseball you know, so instead of a really good baseball player, I mean, he's, he had a fine year. I mean, rookie year, played 85 games, 1.3 war, hit 17 home runs, which is really impressive. But I mean, 35% strikeouts. He's not walking very much like a 106 WRC plus for a guy is definitely not a finished product at shortstop. You know, his, his defensive metrics were pretty rough. Um, so obviously he seems like he's got the talent to maybe be able to do it. So we'll see what if they if he does stick at shortstop. Uh, his arm is obviously like insane, but he's just one of those toolsy guys who's still kind of learning how to be a good baseball player. So yep. we'll see what happens going forward with him. Uh, but uh, and, and then the rest of that team, I think mean, their 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 farm system's pretty good too. They've got a few good pitching prospects. They've got a, obviously a couple first overall picks that they've got coming up, like Henry Davis. Um, I think they'll be in a pretty good position going forward. I just kind of a similar situation to the Reds. I don't know if they're going to be willing to spend at all. So they're going to have to eventually spend a little bit. Maybe they showed a little bit of that willingness when they signed some of the extensions they've signed, like like uh, like Brian Hayes. So, but we'll hmm. see what happens. So. Yeah, it's going to be a big offseason if they're going to finally be willing to trade Brian Reynolds. I think that's going to tell us really what the direction that they're thinking of going is, is going to be. Um, you know, depending on what they do this offseason. But transitioning over to the National League West, we have the Los Angeles Dodgers who won this division. We got the San Diego Padres in second. We got the San Francisco Giants in third. The Arizona Diamondbacks in fourth, and then the Colorado Rockies in fifth. We've already talked so much about the Dodgers. 110 wins, just an incredible season. We'll skip over them because for Damian's sake here, and uh, let him talk about them a little more later. 
Padres traded for Juan Soto and Josh Hader at the deadline and got into the playoffs. Um, it was a little bit of a rocky road, though, and neither of those guys had particularly strong debuts with the Padres. In fact, Brandon Drury was probably their biggest addition at the deadline. Um, you know, the Padres are still a dangerous team. We've seen them have really good performances from you, Darvish. Blake Snell's been good of late. You know, they've still got guys like Jake Cronenworth who are really solid. Um, but, and, you know, Tatis got suspended, so he's not going to be there for the playoffs. It's going to be up to Manny Machado, you know, uh, Jake Cronenworth on offense, and then, you know, Blake and you on, on, on the pitching side. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what the Padres are able to do in the playoffs, but, um, definitely, uh, definitely, you know, not as good as we kind of thought they would be when they made those, those moves. But, um, then the, the third team there, um, the Giants just kind of. I mean, it was kind of what we expected. They they did get back to 500, uh, but I mean, they were not a 100. They were one 107 games last year without being a 107 win team, mm-hmm. or 108 or however many win they won. And they're more of an 81 to 82 win team, a 500 type team that overperformed last year by a lot. And I think they're kind of back to where they probably should be with the roster they've got. Um, you know, just they dealt dealt with some. I mean, they're all their veterans, just not weren't able to put up the same seasons they put up last year. And that's not surprising. So pitching staff was still good defensively. They were atrocious. That's probably the worst thing about them. They might've even had a wild card shot if they weren't so bad defensively. But uh, anyways, giants, uh, we'll see what happens with them going forward. They're an interesting team to watch. They have a pretty good bit of money coming off the books this year. I believe uh, they had a few one year deals, so it'll be interesting to see what they do yeah. in the off season. I just don't know if their pitching staff is good enough to warrant the potential spending that is kind of being yeah. insinuated. Um, they were one of the teams mentioned for Aaron Judge. So, you know, I think we got to keep our eye on the Giants. They're going to be one of the heavy hitters in the offseason. But I just don't know how good that team is. Like Logan Webb took a step backwards with the strikeouts. You know, he's, he's still a contact managing pitcher, but uh, he was, you know, a bit stronger last year. Their bullpen got weaker. Um, the rotation behind Logan Webb and Carlos Rodon wasn't very good, and Rodon's a free agent and is probably going to leave. So it's just and their pit, their their team, the batting team was just it's old. It's that's what's hurting the defense. Brandon Crawford's not what he was anymore. Evan Longoria is not what he was anymore. You know, Brandon Belt's not what he was. It, it's a it's a bunch of old guys right now, and and I'm not sure that adding a a big name to that is really going to change the trajectory of where they've kind of proven themselves heading. Uh, J.D. Davis was really good when he came over at the deadline, though. They had a best bet the Mets wish they didn't make that trade. J.D. Davis for Darren Ruff, right. who's been awful. Yeah, the Met. I didn't mention it when we passed the Mets. The Mets did nothing at the deadline and then ended up losing the division. Then they cited, uh, "Oh, we're we're in the lead for the division. We're good at the deadline." Uh, when asked why they didn't trade for someone like Wilson Contreras, so um, interesting I, to say the least. I think on the Mets part. But yeah. moving on, the Diamondbacks, uh, seventy-three wins, kind of in the same boat as the Angels there, uh, but. I think with very different trajectories than the angels. So we saw them bring up Corbin Carroll, who was putting up uh, top sprint speed numbers this year. And Zach Gallon's been an NL Cy Young contender. So the, the, the diamondbacks have some positives uh, in their team here, but uh, it's still so full of just guys that they're committed to, that they don't need to be committed to. They finally got out from under David Peralta this year, but 
um, man, they, they give a lot of at-bats to guys who just don't really need to be in there. I don't think, you know, you look at their like pitching group, it's, it's all guys and Zach Gallen, uh, guys who really are, I'm not sure why they're getting, I, you know, like Joe Mantiply. I, I don't know. Zach Davies. Yeah. I mean, they got to have warm bodies, but <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. The, the Diamondbacks are kind of interesting. It's like you said, Corbin Carroll came up. They've got some other good prospects. Alec Thomas had a pretty good rookie campaign. Um, they Christian Walker had a great season. Nobody really talked about yeah. him at all. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they've got some other pieces. I mean, Jordan Lawler in that in that farm system eventually. Uh, they got some good pieces there, but we'll see what happens with the Diamondbacks. They're kind of interesting. I don't know how much money they got to spend, so maybe in the offseason they can make a few moves and kind of get to like a 500-type team. But uh, we'll see what happens with them. But uh, moving on, last team, oh, boy, the Rockies. They were bad. Mm. Um, defensively, Shocking. they were horrible. Uh, they – they're kind of like the twins and that they tried in the off season a little bit. Like they spent on Chris Bryant, who was hurt most of the year and just didn't, I mean, didn't really help them that much. So the pitching staff was bad. Herman Marquez, I don't know what happened to him this year. He was God awful after being a pretty solid pitcher for a few years. I bet they wish they traded him. Uh, and they made no moves at the deadline, which was weird. Yeah. They so, didn't sell uh, anybody. They didn't. Extend, so, uh, no, they extended Daniel Bard, who's 38 right, years old. That's right, remember? they did. Yeah, and CJ Crone, didn't they? And he extended too. Yeah, CJ Crone upped, but CJ Crone's been very good for them. Oh yeah, no it's, doubt. But like, it's just you could have traded I, him it, something, and because he's not going to be on a yeah. contending Rockies team. Yeah, I don't know, man. The Rockies are completely um, void of direction and have been for several years. They yeah. don't know what they are. This is a market in Denver that should be a big market team. Um, but the ballpark plays like a, you know, a band box. It's, it's skews the numbers for the pitchers and the hitters to where the hitters, even if they're good, aren't viewed as good. And to where the, the pitchers, if they're, if they're bad, they're actually viewed as good. And it, it just messes everything up. They, they've got to figure something out. But right now I think it's, it's going to be a while before we see successful baseball in Colorado. I agree. Yeah. It's going to be a while. And just to, to hit on your Herman Marquez deal, at home this year in 87 innings, he has a 670 ERA. If you look on mm-hmm. the road in 94 innings, he has a 343. Yeah. The smart team will be the one that picks up Herman Marquez. That guy yeah. went on and almost won a, almost threw a perfect game last year. Um, in, yeah, he's in Seattle, I believe. So, yeah. you know, he's, he's talented, but he is getting killed by uh, his home ballpark. Yeah, yeah. The Rockies actually have to commit to trading somebody, which they don't want to do. They won't do it. Uh, but that's going to wrap up the division standings uh, and how it is basically going to look through the end of the season. Uh, let's go ahead and jump over to the wild card, uh, you know, breakdown kind of prediction part of it. We'll go ahead and start in the American League where the matchup is going to be the Cleveland Guardians at home against the Tampa Bay Rays. And then it's going to be the Seattle Mariners traveling to Toronto to face the Blue Jays. Yeah, so uh, the Guardians race is going to be really interesting. Um, that's a couple of fun teams to watch. Um, I think that pitching matchups, I, I really like the Guardians in the series because I think that in a three-game series, I mean, game one, they're going to have Bieber. So that's going to be tough to tough to beat. Um, you know, Tristan McKenzie will be good. I mean, I know the, the Rays have got good guys too, but um, – I think that in a in a short series like that, I think that that contact oriented approach is going to w- work out really well against a 
race team that's kind of built to deal with the AL East big boppers approach. So uh, I do think the Guardians will move on from that series. I'll be contrarian. Yeah, I'll, I'll think I'll think I'll be a little contrarian on this. I, I think the Rays method of success this year has been the antithesis of a lot of other teams. Uh, they kind of noticed that the ball was neutered and they've shifted to a more contact centric approach. Uh, you'll note that they don't have very many home run hitters in that lineup. Thing is, is the Indians also don't. So this is two teams that kind of anticipated the, the lack of the juice ball. Um, I think I said Indians guardians, but the, um, the Rays pitching ideas where they're going to use like guys one time through the order. I just, I wonder if those fifth and sixth innings of the guardians starters are where the Rays are going to jump on them. And then the Rays aren't going to let that happen. I see this going all three games and it being a bullpen style third game where the Rays, you know, get a, a three good innings from some guy we've never heard of, or, or maybe like Peter Fairbanks or maybe even glass now, or somebody who's, who's not expected to, to be that three inning, you know, sharpshooter. So I'll, I'll take the Rays in three, but it's, it's close, man. This one could go either way. It's going to be a really fun one to watch. Yeah. For me, I'm just, I'm going to sound stupid for it. We always say never bet against the Rays, and I'm going to do it. I just think having Bieber, McKenzie, I mean, it's a best of the three. You throw those two out there who can absolutely shut down the opposing teams. I just think that that might be a little too much. I mean, and it's going to be in Cleveland. Like, that team seems to have a lot of energy there. That ballpark when they're in the playoffs is always energetic. And having those two, two guys on the mound, like, are we going to get McClanahan? Are we going to get a healthy McClanahan? Who knows? Like Glassnell's been out there, but he's a three or four inning guy right now. He's not built up to be in full his full self. And I just think that this team in Cleveland is it's it's a good matchup for them against Tampa Bay. I think because they're very sound defensively, they don't make a lot of mistakes, they don't beat themselves, and they have those top two pitchers that can really push them in that three game series. You only need to win two of them, and you start with those two guys. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really hard right there. Uh, so I'm going to go Cleveland over Tampa Bay there. But looking over on the other side, we got Seattle versus Toronto. So we'll go ahead and start with David on this one. So so who are you looking at in that matchup? I'm looking at the offense of the Blue Jays versus the pitching staff of the Mariners. I think that's the matchup that will decide it. If the Blue Jays can get off and and hammer Luis Castillo and, and beat up on, you know, I think it'll probably be Logan Gilbert. Um, then it, it's going to be quick. It's going to be over quick. Unfortunately, I love the Mariners and I really want the Mariners to win some playoff games here because, you know, almost some retribution for that 2001 where they had 116 wins and didn't even make the world series. And it's that, that was the last time they were in the playoffs. So I'm really hoping the Mariners win some, some playoff games for Seattle, but they're in Toronto. That offense is going to be bopping. I, I, I would bet the blue Jays here and, and I'll, I'll pick them. The question will be is if those Mariners pitchers, which we've talked about extensively on this podcast, those Mariners pitchers come out and shove. I think that the Mariners offense can put up some runs against the Blue Jays pitchers. The Blue Jays are not as good a pitching staff as the Mariners. So the key matchup, the Blue Jays hitters, I think they're going to win it. I'm picking the Blue Jays. But the way the Mariners win is by that pitching staff shutting down the Blue Jays offense. Yeah and, yeah, and I saw something on the Mariners' side that it was lining up as Castillo 1, Ray 2, Gilbert 3. 
Okay. I I wouldn't throw Robbie Ray in the series because lefty against all those righties, but that's me. Yeah, so th- that's kind of one of the things I was going to say is that I think that if you if you're the Mariners, you got to find a way to steal game 1 or 2 because I think that if you get to a game 3, I like the Mariners. I think that they've kind of been the team that's had to fight their way into the playoffs a little bit more so than the Blue Jays. They've kind of a little bit more battle tested maybe in that way because the Blue Jays have kind of been like a good team that was always a wild card team all year. They weren't going to catch the Yankees, but they were good enough to be a wild card team. We knew it like pretty much all year. The Mariners down the stretch have had a lot of like really dramatic comeback wins, big time. They've been in a lot of big moments this year. And I think that that's one thing that, that helps them. And, and another thing is that I think they're deeper in the rotation because I think if you mm-hmm. match up game one and two, Gossman and Manoa, those two guys are really tough. But then, I mean, uh, I don't know about the third starter for the Blue Jays. Like, I guess it'll – is it going to be Barrios? I mean – It'll be Barrios, but – He's been awful this year. And, I mean, you look at the you look at the Mariners as in, like, they're t- all three of their guys are, are good. I mean, you've got – obviously, your your start, your first starter, Castillo's great. And then Robbie Ray has had his ups and downs, but he's a lot better than Barrios. So if you can steal one of those two games and then you get Gilbert for game three against Barrios, I really like that matchup for the for the Mariners. But I do think you have to – I think it's going to be tough for them to steal one of those first two against Gossman and against uh, against Manoa. So it'll be interesting. I also think the Mariners uh, – I think the bullpens are actually kind of similar. But but I don't know. We'll yeah. see what happens. I um, I like the Mariners, man. I, I like their I like their mojo with them. I, I feel like I'm going to pick the Mariners just because I – it feels like the Blue Jays have kind of been – kind of held on all year. Like they're not – I don't know. There's something about this Mariners team that I really like. So, Oh, I love the Mariners. This is, I think, the one playoff matchup that I didn't want to happen until the ALCS because I love both of these teams. um, And just strictly, I I want Seattle to win. I I do with all, I want them to win. I think that that city deserves it. The fan base deserves it after the the long wait they've had. But preseason, I picked Toronto to win the World Series. I got to go with them to continue it. I just think that offense is really, really good. I think that if you're really throwing Robbie Ray in game two, he's shown the the possibility of being volatile, of of giving up the homer, giving up walks. And I just think that that offense is, it's clicking. I mean, you get your Vlad's had a really good second half. Bobachet's had an insane September. You're getting George Springer, who's one of the best playoff performers that we've seen in our generation. Uh, you know, Matt Chapman, he's struggled at times, but he's getting on a little bit of a hot streak, it seems like, again. I just think when all of those guys are clicking, it's going to be very, very hard for the Seattle Mariners to keep up scoring the, the amount of runs they need to be able to beat Toronto in Toronto. Yeah, and a lot of those, a lot of, you, you talk about it, postseason experience is big, too, because I think they have a lot more postseason experience in, in, uh, in, in Toronto with some of those guys. That Even though Toronto has only been, they were in the short season, which barely counts but um i think they have a lot more experience in the postseason with between you're like you mentioned springer and um you know gossman's play, pitched in the postseason some i mean you've got you know those guys but but we'll see um it'll be it'll definitely be interesting and one other point the thing to point out is toronto is a devastatingly tough place to play in the postseason mm-hmm. we've seen it so many times so uh that'll be an interesting thing to look at as well two great fan bases it, it really Absolutely. is 
All right, well, let's jump over to the National League, and we'll go ahead and start with the Philadelphia Phillies against the St. Louis Cardinals in St. Louis. So, Matt, who do you who do you have winning this series? This is an interesting one. Um, I think I'm probably going to go with the Cardinals in this series. The Cardinals have Devil Magic to start with, but they also have a the, the, they've got guys who are the top of the. I don't has Arenado ever played in the postseason? Last year, uh, he played yeah. a wild card game. I think he did, has. Yeah. I think he has in like 2017. That's right. That's right. The, yeah, oh, the Rockies hit right. the wild card. Yeah. Yeah. Archie Bradley hit like the triple or whatever. That's too. right. And then the next year they had they beat the Cubs in the wild card game. So yeah. he hugged Javi Baez. Right. Yeah, that's right. I, I hate that. That game so, didn't happen. Moving right. on. But anyway, so but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think the Cardinals have those guys, and then just the fact of having, I mean, Albert Pujols is really a good player still, so that's not a got to kind of shy on. But just the fact that they've got those guys who are, you know, they don't want to send them out on a loss, and I don't know, that team's had a lot of good mojo here lately. They've been hot. They seem like they're real. They got a good clubhouse, and they're real experienced. And I mean, I I like that team. Um, I think that if you look at um. I think if you look at them, I think they're the they're the better team. And, and the Phillies, they've been a little bit shaky with their health and their rotation down the stretch. Wheeler has been banged up a little bit. He's back, but he's hadn't been fully healthy down the stretch. And I really think they struggle to have a third guy in that rotation. I think it'll either be like Cindergard or or Gibson or Ranger Suarez or somebody. I mean. But uh, if you could take out either Nola or, or him, and then and then the one other thing too, the bullpen for the Phillies still is just not that good. So we'll see what happens. But I'm a, I think I'm going to take the Cardinals in this one. Kyle Schwarber would be my player of the week if we were doing that this week. Yeah, he's been good. Since we're not, um, even though we're not, I I, I do want to mention he's got 46 home runs this year. The power surge that we all kind of knew was coming has finally hit, and he's going to be second in the majors and homers at the end of the year. But uh, just a monster season from Schwarbs. I like this Phillies team. I really want it to be successful. Love Nick Castellanos. Love Kyle Schwarber. Love Bryce Harper. The Cardinals are winning this, man. Their team, they're led by just some absolute studs, and they've got the destiny of Molina's last postseason, Wainwright's last postseason you know, Pujols' last postseason, I'd, you'd be a fool not to pick the Cardinals, which is why I'm picking them, and I'm going to be cheering against them the whole way through. <laughs> well, call me a fool, because I'm picking Phillies <laughs> over St. Louis. I Let's just go. think over throwing out Nola, who's had an absolutely fantastic year, and then being able to throw Wheeler right out after that. And the offense that the Phillies have been able to put up at times, I mean, you just talked about Schwarber. I mean, Bryce Harper, who would have probably been the NL MVP had he not got hurt, and he's looked just fine since he's came back. Nick Castellanos has hit a lot better as of late. Um, you know, JT Rumuto has vaulted himself back into talk about being the best catcher in baseball again. Like this Sadly team, but continue. Well, I said he, I said the conversation, <laughs> but I mean that offense. I mean. Who are the Cardinals really having as a pitcher that are going to shut you down? Like, I, I don't think they have that. It's Wainwright, it's Quintana, it's Montgomery. All those guys are contact guys. If Flaherty's healthy, but we don't ever know about if he's going to be and what he's going to actually be in the postseason. Like, Michaelis, he's also a contact guy. Like, their bullpen is a lot better, but I just don't know with the starting rotation going up against this Philly offense, with being able to have to face Nola 
and Wheeler back to back that way. And even Syndergaard, who's looked pretty solid. I mean, they're, they're not going to ask him to do a ton, but he's looked pretty solid for them. I just, I mean, I'm probably a fool. You call me a fool for it, but I just think there's something about the way the Philly matches up with St. Louis that it's a bad matchup. Yeah, I'm just saying, listen, listen, I've watched Adam Wainwright for 15 years throw curveballs that are completely unhittable, even though they're 65 miles an hour right down the middle of the plate. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I know the Phillies offense is really good. And Wainwright's going to just completely devastate him. They won't. Oh, yeah. They won't touch him for like six innings. It's going to be disgusting. You're going to be. You're going to hate it. He's going to be throwing 85 right down the middle. They're not going to be able to hit it. Absolutely. But if there's been one person on this <laughs> show who has had the worst predictions of all time, it's been me. All right. Last year I picked Francisco Lindor to win the MVP and Did Blake Snell to win Young Cy Young. And then the year? this year, Cy Young, I picked Jose Barrios. All right. If there's been a person who's had bad picks oh, history boy. on this show. It's been me, and I'm doing it again. How many times You're have you not to pick any Cubs? Next how many year? times have you not picked the Angels too? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's that as well. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I, I picked the Astros, so I don't even think I picked them to make the playoffs. But regardless, uh, I'm going to pick the Phillies in that one. Now jumping over to the last wild card matchup, and it's going to probably be the best wild card matchup, and that's the San Diego Padres against the New York Mets. It's going to be in New York, and it's going to be electric. Yeah, um, so this is going to be an interesting one. And I think that a big deal in that series is what happens tonight because the Braves are three outs away with a one-run lead from clinching. But if the Braves blow this lead with Kenley Jansen in the bottom of the ninth, then the Mets are probably pitching to Grom tomorrow because they have a chance to win the division. The Braves would pitch Max Freed tomorrow. So if if it does end up being the Mets, then DeGrom would be burned for games one and two if that happened. So that's kind of an interesting caveat to throw in there. But assuming the Braves hold on to this lead tonight, it would be DeGrom, Scherzer, and I guess Bassett again. And I do not think that the Padres are going to fare too well against those guys, especially with the fact that Edwin Diaz is lurking at the back end of that bullpen as well. So the Mets have won 98 games, 99 games for a reason. They actually won 99 now for a reason. And I think that they are going to beat the – um, I think they're going to beat the Padres in the first two games. So I, I'm going to take the Mets, even though I don't want them to win. I'm about to get my Lee Corso out. Not so fast, my friend. I love you, Darvish. I love Blake Snell. I like Joe Musgrove. They are as as good as a collective of DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett at this point in their careers. In terms of effectiveness, especially coming to the playoffs, I'm not calling them better because they're not. But I think Bassett drags it down. We just saw him get blown out by the Braves. I think the Braves actually just gave the Padres hitters the blueprint on how to beat that Mets group, which is you have to attack early in the count. You have to. You have to jump on them early because those guys throw strikes. You have to jump on those fastballs. You have to get them early in the count. The Padres have a lot of effective hitters. Manny Machado's, you know, one of those guys who might win MVP. I love this Padres team. I think they got I think they're going to ride the starting pitching to the wins and they're they're going to have that scrappiness that the Mets just don't have. Plus it's the Mets. You have to bet against the Mets. The Mets are going to bungle it. They always bungle it. It's the Mets. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I I really don't. <laughs> I this series it's it's going to be one of the more fascinating ones to watch. Because 
I mean, DeGrom is DeGrom. Scherzer, we've seen him be lights out in the postseason, and we've seen him be able to get lit up in the postseason, or at least be be hit around a little bit. And then we look at the Padres side, and we have Yu Darvish, who at any given moment can lose his command and, and start walking people or start tipping his pitches. It's been fantastic all of September, but you it's just one start all of a sudden. You never know. Joe Musgrove looks great. Game three is probably going to be Blake Snell if it gets there. What Blake Snell are you getting? We don't know. Bassett, we know he's not going to be insanely good, but I don't think he'll get hit around all that off all that much either. But I believe in the, the San Diego offense just a little bit more. I think having Machado, Soto, Bell, and I mean, Bell hasn't even looked that great, but just having him in that lineup, Drew Reese looked good, Cronenworth, they're just the Padres are just one of those teams who never go away in games. They always have that potential there. And I just don't know if the Mets offensive depth is there. I mean, we've seen them get shut down by the the high level pitching. And I just don't believe that they'll be able to pull it off. You know, I, I just think San Diego's too good of an offense to to fall away in this series. Oof. Wow. My thing, and the thing I saw today before we kind of wrap this up, my thing I saw today was that the Mets have one of the lowest home run totals for a 100-win team ever. Um, Pete Alonso's 40 is the most on the team, and only Francisco Lindor has gotten to 25, and only Eduardo Escobar has gotten to 20. So they only have three guys who have that big-time home run pop. Who's going to get that big hit for them late in the game if they need it? You know, it's got to be Alonso. But, you know, he may or may not have the right matchup. You know, you get a hard-throwing righty in there, and all of a sudden Alonzo kind of isn't isn't nearly as effective. So he's done a lot of the damage for the Mets, but if, if Alon- it, 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 this series really does rely on Alonzo and Lindor, I think. If they don't come out to play like they didn't come out to play in that Brave series, it's going to go the way of the Padres. It, it, it's really funny you brought that up, uh, and I know it's against the, the Nationals, but the Mets let off with three straight homers tonight. <laughs> of course. So they knew they knew they were getting it was Nimmo McNeil and Lindor let off with back to back to back homers. Oh, man. Jesus. Um, so I know it is against the Nationals, but it's just incredibly hilarious that you brought up their home run stat and they did that yeah. today. No. Um but yeah, I I mean it's it that's exactly part of the reason. I just think that the the, the San Diego offense is is too deep to to go away in a, in a series like this where it, we've seen the Mets hitters get blown away recently with, with good starting pitching and the way Darvish is throwing, if he's on, which he has been lately and then Musgrove and then Snell, who's looked really good these past couple weeks. Like, I think that's, that's a tough matchup, mm-hmm. but that's going to wrap it up for our standings and wild card prediction episode. We will, the, the wild card series is, I believe Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three straight days. Um, there will be an off day on Monday. That's when we will re- be recording our next episode. And then the division series starts on Tuesday, uh, the 11th. But before we head out, anything else you guys want to wrap up on or hit on? Um, let David go first. The Braves are not away. So, <laughs> Try to drag it out just just so we can break some news with the Braves yes. won the division here. But uh, uh, no, I'm I'm ready. the The playoffs should be good, and 
Um, looking forward to it. I'm glad we're not doing it on Tuesday. Tuesday's my birthday. Hey, happy birthday. So there you go. Next week, so. Alrighty. Well, we're going to wrap it up before Matt has a conniption on this <laughs> this, uh, this episode and you guys hear something we hey, probably shouldn't. You, you know, you know, Damien, I'm, I'm pulling a Damien. I'm watching Kenley Jansen try to lock down the division. He's been doing that for about 10 years in a row now. So. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's, uh, that's true. I have hey, benefit. Freddie Freeman's played on his best team he's ever played on. That's true. 110 wins. He I mean, also now, had one of his best years ever. He did. He did. Now, you know, obviously, he you know, he has a ring, but. Kenley Jansen has a ring. Kenley Jansen does have a ring, even though it's got a uh, somebody it's got Disney World on it. But yeah, uh, but yeah, Still counts. So. So give it, let's, let's give it, let's give it about five seconds here because this might be something insane that just happens. All right. So, and that's going to end this episode of the Batfoot Podcast, the reason guys. Being, reason being that Kenley has eight strikes in a row. And oh. He, <laughs> and with an immaculate inning. He, he fouled off, the, he fouled, he fouled oh. off the night pitch. Oh, uh, no immaculate inning. Resume the Braves won. Yeah, what a way to end it. We'll catch right. you guys next week. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks, everybody.